So it's official. The Denver Nuggets are four and zero. Oh. Are they just that much better than everybody in the NBA? Also, James Harden is in the Western Conference. What does this mean for the West? And how might this affect the Denver Nuggets' chances of winning an NBA championship? You'll find out right here on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locks on Nuggets. This is your host, Swiper. We are here to talk about your team every day. The Denver Nuggets just beat the Utah Jazz. I'm not going to hold y'all. That game, even though it was close, was way more exciting than I thought it would be. The Utah Jazz have a very good roster. Obviously, you got Lori Marketing. They got a nice host of young players, Walker Kessler, Colin Sexton. They're a really, really, really nice roster. But you know what? That's a team that's going to compete, and they're going to fight because they are long, and they're actually one of the only teams that, in the front court especially, that has the size to be able to match up with Denver, at least from a verticality standpoint. But as you saw yesterday, they're just not as skilled or, I think, as big in terms of their just overall weight. And so they were just moving them around in the paint a little bit yesterday. But Laurie Markin is 6'10", John Collins 6'10", Walker Kessler 7'1". Really just a great, great, great team, y'all. But that game was really good. The Denver Nuggets, they won 110 to 102. And I got to tell y'all, man, the way that the Nuggets have so far been able to play defensively, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, has probably been the story of the season. I think the fact that they were able to play versus the Dallas Mavericks, or sorry, versus the Utah Jazz as well as they did, I think that they're able to show that there are levels that they're able to get to, even when they're off of a back-to-back, even if they're in a situation where they're having to not have any rest, obviously playing in OKC the day before, flying into Denver, and then having to play against a team that's hungry, that wants to win, and that is out to prove something, and they were able to do it. Uh, yesterday, during this game, you saw Nikola Jokic. He tied LeBron James for the fourth most triple doubles in NBA history. Fourth most triple doubles in NBA history. Nikola Jokic yesterday, he ends up with 27 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists on 12 of 16 from the field, one of three from three, two of five from the free throw line. And he was also a plus 13 in the game as well. So this is great. You know, I think that All the stuff that we thought in the offseason are the Denver Nuggets going to come into the season. They're going to be hungover from an NBA title run. Are they going to want to play and compete hard in the regular season? Will they try to coast? How serious will they be about the regular season? I think even with this game versus Utah, y'all remember last year, the opening game of the season, they got shellacked by Utah. Absolutely demolished because Utah – ended up putting over 120 points up on them, beat them by 20 points. And then at that point in time, they had just got Bruce Brown, just got KCP, Jamal Murray was back, Michael Porter Jr. was back. They had just got Christian Brown in the draft. And even still, they were not able to put up an adequate fight in that game in order to win. And so for them to come back a calendar year and to respond like they did to them, 
man, that's a big deal. And I'm actually really excited uh, for how they were able to close that game because, you know what, they were up 13 at one point. The Denver Nuggets were up 13 points throughout the entire game. And then eventually the Utah Jazz, they fought back into the game because that's how they play. They're a very well-coached team. They play really hard, and they play really disciplined. In the first half, uh, the Denver Nuggets were up 58-45. to 45. Uh, I'm talking about Gordon was had 14 points on 7-7. Seven seven. Jokic, 13 on 6-8. Jamal Murray, 12-2-6. and six. And then the Nuggets held them to a 94 offensive rating in the first half. Their defense was everywhere. And then they started off the third quarter. Jamal Murray going off in the two-man game. Jokic had a nice little midi that he had on an assist for Murray. Jokic had a hook over Lori Markkinen. He had a block to start the quarter. See, it looked like in the third quarter that it was going to be a little bit of a rout. It looked like that the Utah Jazz were just going to be outcompeted. They just didn't have the talent and the hustle to be able to pull off this victory. But what was interesting is I think that the back-to-back started catching up with the Denver Nuggets a little bit. This was their first back-to-back of the season. They have another one this Friday and this Saturday versus the Mavs and the Bulls, I believe, on Saturday. But in the third quarter, uh, the Nuggets were trying, it seems, to put the gas pedal down, but then they just might have ran out a little bit. But for them to still be able to secure the victory is a really big deal. So they end the third quarter up 80 to 69. And a sign that the Nuggets also were a little fatigued, through three quarters, they gave up 15 offensive rebounds. 15 offensive rebounds to the Utah Jazz. And that's, for them, is a very, very high number, especially given the fact that you have Porter, you have Jokic, and you have Gordon in the front court. And, you know, Jamal Murray and KCP are not bad rebounders at all at the guard spots. So they ended up closing out the game. Jokic again with a triple-double. Jamal Murray yesterday did not shoot well, but he had 18 points, 14 assists, and three rebounds. Now, his career high, I believe, versus the Dallas Mavericks, uh, was 15 assists. So for him to be able to play make at this level, again, Jamal Murray, you know, he didn't have a good shooting game yesterday. He had started off the year with a 66 true shooting. So that's obviously like unbelievably high. And especially for Jamal, a guard, that's like unsustainably high. I mean, again, you know, Embiid averaged 33 on 65 true shooting last year just for uh, perspective. And that means he's also getting to the line 10 times a game. So you add all that stuff up. And again, it gives you an idea of how good he's been offensively. And again, Jamal Murray had just taken a leap this year. There there were some plays, y'all. I said it yesterday on Twitter that the best two-man game in the NBA is easily Jokic and Murray. They had a set yesterday where they were running a DHO action. Murray passes the ball back to Jokic. He fakes on the left wing, Mike about to cut, and come run another DHO. And then he cuts to the rim. Jokic, similar to what he did with MPJ when he dunked on Kevin Durant, and I think that was game three of the Phoenix Suns series in the second round, he gets a nice little leading backcourt pass. And then next thing you know, Murray does his nice off his right leg jelly on the other side of the basket, and it was cold, cold. Yo, their connectivity, there was that play, and then they had another play where the three-man unit of Murray, Jokic, and Gordon. Murray had a jump pass to Jokic. Jokic literally punched the ball to Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was about to go up for a layup or dunk, saw that it was contested, and then ended up handing it off with his left hand to Jokic back underneath the basket, 
and then Jokic ends up laying the play up. And it just shows the chemistry that they have. And, you know, Michael Porter Jr. only played 19 minutes yesterday. He didn't play in the fourth quarter. Now, Michael Malone did address this, that he thinks that he probably should have got Michael Porter Jr. back in the game. But Christian Brown was just playing really well. Christian yesterday, 30 minutes, nine points, eight rebounds, two assists, four of eight from the field, and he was a plus six. And he was a plus six. Now, Porter, to his credit, you know, he was having a decent game. He wasn't rebounding super well. But, again, outside of Jokic, they just weren't getting a lot of rebounds yesterday. But he had 19 minutes, eight points, one rebound, and two assists again, three of eight from the field, two of six from three, and he was a plus two in his minutes with a block. So it wasn't his best game. But Jokic, sorry, Porter had just got off a 29-2 and two performance versus OKC, and he also made four threes in that game. So he is slowly but surely coming along and figuring out how to play with this ankle injury that he's been managing the last couple of weeks. Uh, but also, again, his defense has been impeccable. His rebounding has been impeccable. So Porter especially is going to be really big. They have the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota on Wednesday. And so this is going to be a really, really big matchup for him because he's going to be very important in securing that win and then maybe keeping the winning streak going. So overall, uh, the Nuggets only shot 32% from three this game. They shot 56% from the field. They were 7 of 17 from the free throw line. So the free throw line continues to be something that bothers them, and especially Jokic with the touch that he has. He was 2 of 5 from the free throw line yesterday. That's just not something you expect from him. You expect him to be around 80, 82, uh, if not 84%. But for some reason, he just has not been able to lock in uh, mentally consistently on the free throws, but he will, obviously, as he does every single season. Uh, Aaron Gordon, 21 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. He was 10 of 12 from the field. He was a plus eight in his minutes. Caldwell Pope, this is his fourth straight DPOG, defensive player of the game chain. He had eight points and three rebounds, three of five from the field, two of four from three. And he also was a plus 11 in his minutes as well. So, y'all. Reggie Jackson, by the way, was another good game, a plus nine. Again, I think this also, again, we're just watching the bench unit respond in ways, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that has really amplified where this team is and how good they potentially could be. For you to have your backup point guard get a 4-4 in one game and to be a plus six, or sorry, rather be a plus nine in a game, they end up winning by eight points. And even if some of those minutes are with the starters when he's replacing Jamal Murray, that's still something that we just even weren't seeing from Bruce Brown last year. So I think that goes to how they're tweaked the lineup a little bit. So, like, it's not just Reggie, but Reggie's also playing well. You know, he was 2 of 6 yesterday, and so he was 0 of 3 from 3. So he didn't – that was his worst shooting game of the year, but he still has played at a very high level. Peyton Watson, 5 points and 2 rebounds yesterday. Um, he was a net even in a plus-minus column, but his defense also was good. You know, he was asked to guard up against Laurie Marketing at times and stuff as well. So Zeke Naji, six points and three rebounds. They're just coming along. Julian Strother got minutes yesterday as well. Four points for him and two rebounds. Had a couple minutes with the starters. Missed both of his threes. But, again, he's going to continue to learn the NBA system and how to play with Jokic, with Murray, and with the rest of the roster as well. So a good win. Their fourth straight win of the year. They're 4-0. They're the only 4-0 team in the NBA thus far. Um, the Celtics are also 3-0 right now. The Mavericks are 3-0. So they definitely could join that party at some point in time. But, you know, shout out to the Denver Nuggets. This is their best start since the 2018-19 season uh, in which they won 54 games. So 
y'all, we got some stuff to tap into. We When we come back, we're going to talk about the Denver Nuggets winning with defense because that's probably the biggest change that we've seen so far this year is that I got a chance to ask Michael Malone about this last night at the game, and you know what? They're just at a different level right now than they've been historically. So, y'all, we'll be right back here on Locked On Nuggets. So, right now, with FanDuel, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. Bucks. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when the Denver Broncos beat the Kansas City Chiefs the other day, that was not a line that I wanted to touch. Uh, typically, like, again, they hadn't beaten the Chiefs since 2015. So, like many people, I just had no hope in the game, especially given the fact that they had lost to the Raiders this year. Like, they barely beat the Chicago Bears. But, again, this is why this stuff is so important. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So make sure you visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. So we're back here on Locked On Nuggets. And, y'all, we are talking about your Denver Nuggets, the undefeated Denver Nuggets, I might add, and talking about what exactly has changed. What are they doing that has made them so good so far to start the season? Now, many of us would have said that, obviously, Swiper, the way that the Denver Nuggets play, their offense is going to carry them. They got the best offense in the NBA, the best offensive player in the NBA. They're the most efficient transition offense in the NBA. They big, they can shoot, they can slash, they can cut. DA shows. They got all the action that you could want. And they cut off ball better than anybody else in the league. But what's funny is, man, it's actually the defense that is currently carrying the Denver Nuggets right now. Why do I say that? So if you go to NBA.com, right now, the Denver Nuggets have a 103.6 defensive rating. 103.6 defensive rating, which is good for the fourth best defensive rating in the NBA. The fourth best defensive rating is in the NBA. Now, hold on. Now, y'all might be thinking, well, they did that in the playoffs. Swipe so why are you? No, 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 no. Hold on. Remember, they were the 29th ranked defense through December last year. Remember, until they played Memphis and they took a hold of the Western Conference, we were all asking the same thing. Michael Malone said in the offseason he wants them to be a top five defense in the NBA. And yet, when we came into the season, it was like they just didn't seem didn't care about playing defense. They were getting shellacked by Utah. They weren't showing up. Jose Alvarado had 38 points versus them. They got beat by the Atlanta Hawks with no Trey Young. I don't think John Collins played in that game either. And then they get beat by Dallas Mavericks. So they had three straight losses. And then lost to Detroit, by the way, over that same time span. Detroit. And Kay Cunningham didn't play. So there was a lot of stuff that was happening last year that had a lot of people worried. What exactly is going on with this team? Because the defensively, they just weren't getting it done. And so for the Denver Nuggets to be in a situation now where they have a 103.6 defensive rating 
it just goes to show you that something changed in them over the summer. Now, I have put this, this theory out there already, and I'll share it with you again. So take a walk with me, y'all. Get comfortable. Get your popcorn. Get your coffee. Whatever you're watching this. So you remember 2014-15. <clears throat> Golden State Warriors. They win a championship ring. Remember, they beat LeBron, but LeBron didn't have Kyrie and Kevin Love. So they win this championship, and then in the offseason, people are questioning, hmm, would the Golden State Warriors have won that ring if LeBron had Kyrie and Kevin Love? Now, I happen to think that LeBron would have won that year, but again, that's neither here nor there. The question was being asked. And then you remember that people thought that the Golden State Warriors weren't going to get better. Steph Curry had an MVP season, but he averaged like you know, 24 points a game, even though he was crazy efficient. But they didn't think that they would get better from them. And so people underestimated how important it was winning a championship for them. I think the same thing's happening to the Denver Nuggets. All offseason, people said, what about Bruce Brown? What about Jeff Green? It might have been a fluke run. How do we know that they actually could have done this if, I don't know, Chris Paul hadn't got hurt in the third quarter of game two, if LeBron James didn't have a hurt foot? If you had this and this and this and that, if the Celtics wouldn't have choked versus the Heat, if the Bucs wouldn't have choked versus the Heat, if Giannis would have been healthy. Well, guess what? They heard all that, and they still went 16-4 and in the playoff. And my hypothesis is when you go on that dominant of a run, 16-4, and one of the best records in a playoff in the last 30 years, when you have a transcendent, potentially top 10 player ever in Nikola Jokic in the middle of his prime at 28 years old, when you have an ascending 26-year-old Jamal Murray, an ascending 25-year-old Michael Porter Jr., uh, Aaron Gordon, who's one of the best two-way players in the league, plus on top of that, KCP, one of the best off-ball defenders in the league, one of the best screen navigators, transition guard defenders in the NBA, one of the best bottom shooters in the NBA, dribble handoff players in the NBA, and then on top of that, add Peyton Watson, a six-foot-eight wing, Herb Jones, Jaden McDaniels prototype, add Christian Brown, Alex Caruso, Prototype, add Zeke Naji, six foot eleven, switchable one through five defender. And then you got people with something to prove, Reggie Jackson on the roster. And then you get some young, some older veterans on the roster. You got Justin Holliday, DeAndre Jordan. And then you have Michael Malone, who's never been seriously considered for coach of the year, even though they were number one seed last year and the number two seed in the 2018-19 season. All that put together. The Denver Nuggets, I think, are experiencing a 2015-16 kind of resurgence, meaning that I think that they don't know how to turn it off. My theory is that the Nuggets are so good, and Jamal Murray did say that they were going to be a little sloppy. They've had sloppy. They've been sloppy at times. But I think, I don't know if they can turn off who they are, because who they are is what you saw in the playoffs. Who Who they are is who you saw execute at the highest level versus the best competition the NBA has to offer in the most stressful environment that the NBA has to offer. But they have been able to manage their emotions, manage the clutch situations, manage expectations where they are approaching every game with a level of seriousness that even if they're not playing at 100%, because who plays at 100% every game? Or even throughout the game, who plays at 100%? Even if they are making mistakes, their ability to tap into that championship formula, it's always there. So yesterday, Utah, they cut the, the lead down to five. Jokic comes back in the game. 6-0 run, up 11, Utah timeout. <clears throat> Versus the Lakers, 
The Lakers cut it to three. Jokic comes back in the game. They eventually get it back up to 12. Playing versus Memphis. They're up 12 most of the game. Up by double digits most of the game. Marcus Smart hitting some nice floaters, nice three-pointers, all that stuff. They get into the clutch. They get down one. What happened? Jokic, Murray, two-man game. Bam, 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 bam. Jokic, three. Murray, step back, three against Marcus Smart. Get to the rack. Murray drives. Gets up, get Jaron Jackson Jr. up in the air. Dump off the AG. Dunk. The formula is there. The formula is there. Michael Porter Jr., one of the best fourth quarter scorers in the playoffs last year because how clutch and efficient that he is. You put all that stuff together and Michael Malone having gone through the grind again since 2014 with this team and on top of that, you put together the fact that this team just has an identity and a belief. That, for me, is the separator. Y'all, if you just happen to scroll again on NBA.com and you look at the most used lineups for the Denver Nuggets, you get some really interesting data that goes to paint exactly how dominant this team has been so far. So if you look at the Jokic, KCP, Porter, AG, and uh, Murray, that five-man unit, that unit has played 72 minutes together. They have a 118 offensive rating and a 107.3 defensive rating. 118 to 107. And then if you go to the main bench unit, Reggie Jackson, Jamal Murray, Zeke Nagy, Christian Brown, and Peyton Watson, that unit, not good offensively, 100 offensive rating, but an 83.6 defensive rating. 83.6. Defensive rating. These dudes are just not playing around. They're just locked in. And Michael Malone said this. You know, I asked him about the defenses. Is how is he able to get them when they struggled last year to start the year to be where they are now, to where they're literally excelling defensively? What's different? He talked about going through the NBA Finals run, being one of the best defenses in the playoffs, and playing at the highest level and then working through it. And he even talked about last year, they would get close to being a top 10 defense and then they will let go of the rope. Get close to being a top 10 defense and then they will let go of the rope. So they kept doing that throughout the year. Y'all remember it. For basically December through March 3rd, when they played the Memphis Grizzlies and got up seven games in the Western Conference, they had the number six defense, I believe, in the NBA over the course of that stretch. So they put it together. But now, because they know offensively, there's some unstoppable traits to what we do that can't be handled. And then on the other side of this, defensively, we know at our best, we can lock in with anybody, anybody, anybody. So that's what I'm saying, man. It's just a mentality. Like when you reach a certain point in your life and in your career, especially for a lot of y'all, y'all know this, you get to a certain point as a parent, as a career person, as somebody who works in industry, or even as somebody who just like, whatever, you're managing things in your life, you get to a point where it becomes natural for you and it becomes a habit. That's what I'm saying. I think it's just the habit of greatness has overtaken this team, which is why you're seeing what this is. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to be undefeated all year because that's not how basketball works. You're going to have lulls. You're going to have points where you don't play well. You're going to have times where you don't play well throughout the entire months at times or even through weeks. But the way that you rebound is by coming back to your collective identity and being able to hang your hat on who you are. And that's what the Denver Nuggets are doing that separates them. So, y'all, uh, in segment three, we're going to talk about James Harden and being traded to the Los Angeles Clippers, what this might mean for the Western 
conference as a whole. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. So, y'all, got to tell you about game time. So, the thing is, is like, I love going to concerts. I love being able to go and watch things live. But it's really hard sometimes to get good tickets that you trust, good tickets at a fair price, and good tickets that are close enough to where you can experience things. You don't have to be way, way up in the rafters. I want to go see Bill Burr uh, in November in Atlanta, so I'm absolutely going to use game time to go find a great deal. They have killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, where you can get views from your seat when you're looking at the tickets, and you get the best price guarantee. And game time takes a lot of the guesswork out of buying tickets. And so sometimes getting last-minute tickets is really difficult. So you want to make sure that you can go and look at the seat before you get there. You can look at all the prices up front, and you can buy all of the tickets in just seconds with just two taps. So make sure y'all download the Game Time app. You can create an account and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off for your first purchase. Now, remember, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Y'all. We are back for the final segment of Locked On Nuggets. And y'all, it's official. James Harden is now an L.A. Clipper. <laughs> y'all, the NBA is fun. I know that when Look, let me tell y'all how this worked yesterday. So, literally, I got home from the Denver Nuggets game last night late. You know, we had to do the, the media availability, had to record uh, for the swipe of platform, know had to get some stuff tapped in for my high sports all kind of stuff and so i get home and you know finally get a chance to eat get a chance to sit down and literally open up my phone and i see oh all right some humongous nba news had just dropped so james harden officially gets traded officially gets traded to the los angeles clippers and he gets traded the sixers acquire marcus morris Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, and multiple draft picks and a pick swap for James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip uh, Petrusev. And this is from Adrian Wojnarowski. So the Clippers get three players, and really James Harden and P.J. Tucker, especially obviously in that deal. And then the Sixers get Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, and multiple draft picks. So they get four Quality level players, especially KJ Martin, who's a very young developing asset, who the Clippers traded the Houston Rockets for. Um, that's a really potentially high floor defensive ceiling wing on the roster, who's extremely athletic as well. So it looks like if you look at the way that the deal worked out, the 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 it looks like clearly that the Sixers have something else in the works. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski in his article says that the Sixers wanted to get two first-round picks out of the Harden trade and believe that those assets coupled with the second-round picks and pick swaps give them a chance to pursue another high-level guard in a trade to partner with MVP Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey this season. So what does this mean for the Western Conference in your Denver Nuggets? So ideally, I think the top 10 rotation players for the Clippers are going to be my starters would be James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, P.J. Tucker, Ivica Zubac. That's the five. The bench, 
Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, Mason Plumlee. Now, if you just said on paper how good that 10 is, that's a really good 10-man team. That's a really good 10-man team. They have playmaking. They have shooting. They got players that can get to the basket. They got players that can spot up. And they got players that are able to move off ball as well. And on top of that, they got multiple ball handlers. Having Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, Bones Highland, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George all on the roster, again, that gives you options, options in terms of who you want to have the ball to get to certain shots or to get in and out of certain actions. Now, that's really important in the playoffs setting because obviously the Nuggets, they thrived off that themselves. The question that I ask is this move enough that it helps the L.A. Clippers to win the Western Conference? Now, I'll say this. Everybody's fully healthy. Nuggets, Suns, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors. Those are the clear five. Those are the clear five in the Western Conference for me. And I do think that this Clippers team, let me know what y'all think in the comment section. I think the Clippers team, I think they could beat the Lakers. I think they could beat the Suns. This doesn't mean they will, but as currently constructed, if you're telling me you're starting D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Jared Vanderbilt, and Anthony Davis, and then Gabe Benson, Rui Hachimura, uh, if they ever play Max Christie, Batorian Prince, and then Christian Wood off the bench, if you tell me that that's what they're rolling with, then I think that this Clippers team, they could at least take that to possibly seven games, if not win the series outright. Because right now, I think in a playoff setting, Kawhi Leonard is better than Anthony Davis and LeBron James because LeBron is 39 years old come December 30th. That's it. I think that Paul George is a good number two option. I think, again, Russell Westbrook and James Harden being responsible for your playmaking and your passing, I think that really helps them. I think having a bona fide playmaker in James Harden, you know, that's just something that you can't you can't replace that in a regular season setting especially. Now, what this doesn't mean is that they're outright going to do it because, again, as everybody's noting already, they have to get it done. They have to get it done. You have to be able to prove that you're able to play at a high level and you're able to function. And this is what I also said. This is what I also said. Somebody can have to sacrifice on that roster. Who's it going to be? With the Nuggets, it's Jokic and it's Murray and Gordon and MPJ work around that. KCP, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Nazi, Reggie Jackson, all, everything works around those two players. It starts with Jokic, but obviously Murray's included in that. So everybody sacrifices for each other. Jokic will sacrifice shots at times and offensive responsibility to Murray. Murray will see offensive responsibility to Jokic. Everybody works together. It's a team. It's a unit. And so similarly for the Clippers, this is Kawhi Leonard's team. Now, I don't know how they're having conversations internally. I don't know if Ty Lue is, and Lawrence Frank and all them, and, and, uh, and obviously, like, if the rest of the front office is telling the Clippers that, but this should be Kawhi Leonard's team. The fact is, is that everybody on this team, they don't go anywhere unless Kawhi Leonard is healthy and unless he's activated come playoff time. And for him to be activated, he's going to need to be healthy, and he needs to, the, the pieces around him to be able to buy into the culture and to the mentality. So I think that this puts them squarely in the Tier 2 conversation with the West. If you ask me, based on what I've seen so far in the NBA, I think the Nuggets are in Tier 1. And I think they're I think they're a good bit better right now 
than the Celtics or the Bucks. That doesn't mean I think the Celtics have the best chance because I don't love the Bucks' defensive ceiling. But I think the Celtics still have a chance. I think the Bucks, obviously, with Lillard and Dame, and then having Chris Middleton, they always have a chance. I think they're going to be a really good team. But if you're telling me like who actually is going to be the team that are going to be contending for a title, look, I think it's going to be Boston, the Bucks. I think it's going to be the Nuggets. I think it's going to be the Suns, Lakers. And I think it, that expands to the Golden State Warriors, which is Golden State. And I'll say the Clippers. I think there are seven teams that you could put in the conversation to realistically say, I can see them winning a championship. But there's also, I think, gaps in that. Because I think right now, the Nuggets just look like an, an absolute just monster, like you saw on Space Jam. They just are executing at this high level, and they have the best player, and they have the best chemistry, the best cohesion, best two-man game, maybe the best three-man game. And again, the, the everybody on the team is big and they're skilled. The smallest player in the rotation is Reggie Jackson. He's 6'4". <laughs> That's the smallest player in the rotation. And he's not a negative defender with the bench, especially against bench units. So, again, it's going to be really exciting. I think the Western Conference is going to be a fire show this year. Obviously, it's better than the East. Uh, the East has two really good teams. I think the 76 are going to be really competitive. I think the Heat can be really competitive. I would say they have four legitimate teams. Then you have the Cavaliers as well. You can throw them in there. Um, but I really think that the West all the way to OKC, all the way to the Mavericks, all the way to the Pelicans, they're all competitive. Minnesota Timberwolves, they're all competitive. And they're all, quote, unquote, towards the lower end between teams 7 through 10. But that's how good the Western Conference is. And the Clippers, they move themselves up from possibly being a 6-5 seed to potentially being a top four seed and being one of the three or four best teams in the playoffs in the Western Conference. So it's going to be interesting, y'all. Let me know what y'all think in the comments section, y'all. Again, this is Locked On Nuggets. Uh, we will be back. You'll have an episode tomorrow. Uh, and then you'll have, I believe, that's going to be Matt's episode tomorrow. And so you'll have a chance to get a solo episode from him, y'all. What do y'all think about the James Harden Clippers deal? What do you think about your Denver Nuggets starting the season off 4-0, y'all? That's going to do it for Locked On Nuggets. Hey, we will see y'all on the other side.